Welcome to the Mom Village Podcast. We are three multicultural moms sharing our journey through motherhood with the Christ Center Foundation. For information and resources, visit us at our church's website at gofamilychurch.org. Or you can also email us at themomvillage at gofamilychurch.org. And please go over and follow us on Instagram at themomvillagefc. We're glad that you're here and welcome to our village. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Village. We are so happy you're back with us on part two of Mom Budgeting. My name is Chismani Ramos, and I'm here with my ladies, like always, Kira Kelly. Hey, Village. And Kristen Scroggins. Hey, ladies. And we're back with Dr. R. Rayner. Dr. R. Rayner, thank you so much for being back with us. But before we let Dr. R. Rayner give us more wisdom about all this budgeting, Kira, I want to just tell us about what happened in part one. Well, ladies, if you missed part one of mom budgeting, I would highly advise you. I would recommend, I would implore you to please go back to listen. We discussed long-term financial goals, budgeting, planning for our retirement, planning for our children's education, insurance, investing, just so much. The material was so rich and Dr. Rayner is so passionate and just so full of knowledge. So if you did not have an opportunity to listen to the episode, I would ask you to go back and listen to it and just to prepare your minds and hearts for what we're going to share with you on today. So Dr. Rayner, let's start out. Can you share with us, we're in the mom village. So how can we begin to kind of guide our children in teaching them about stewardship and being generous and being responsible with their money? And how early should we start? It's a great, great question. And I will work backwards. So how early should you start? I started in the uh, in the delivery room. I started talking to my to my sons as soon as they were birthed about five twenty nine plans and four hundred one ks. I kind of feel like that's yeah. that's <laughs> now not every parent will start that early, but it's amazing how quickly and how early kids can start grasping some of the some of the basics about about finances. And so if I were a parent with young kids, so my kids are 13, 10, and and 7, I would focus really on two things. One, that God owns everything. You know, I, I genuinely believe that not even as kids, but as, as we as adults would truly get that fact, that God owns everything, that when we look at our bank account, that we're not looking at our you know, balance, we're looking at God's balance, that we're not looking at our expenditures, we're looking at God's expenditures. If we truly got just that one part and truly believed it, that it would change our decision-making dramatically. So God owns owns everything. And the way that we did it in, in our household is we just repeat it over and over and over again. I know some of the parents are out there saying, yeah, that's what I you know, do constantly with my kids. Yeah, okay. it is. And it's, it's the way that kids learn. Repetition matters. So you want to keep it simple. And then you also want to repeat yourself over and over again. And so anytime when we would start talking about money, we'd say, you know, this is, this is God's money. Or we would start talking about our house. We'd say, this is God's house. Or we start talking about a car. This is God's car. In fact, there was one time when my middle son, Joshua, I can't remember exactly what he did, but I wasn't happy with him. And so, but we had to go somewhere and he was running late. I said, Joshua, come on, get in the, get in the car. 
and shut the door. He goes, and I said, get in my car. And he shut the door. He said, it's not your car, dad. It's God's car. And, and I, I, I wanted to say something, but then I was like, you know what? That's right. And uh, I don't want to argue this this point because he's absolutely right. But how, how, why did he say that was because we're just highly repetitive. So that's one. God owns everything. The second thing that I would, that I would teach kids is the biblical pattern that we find in for, for money management in the Bible. And that is to give, save, live. So that, that pattern, give, save, live. Now, some may use give, save, spend, but I like give, save, live so that anytime they receive any money they give first preferably to the to the local church but maybe to some other nonprofit then they save a little bit of money and then the rest they can spend right away if they, if they want to and so we encourage them to first be generous and basically we say yes to whatever they want to to give at that at that point like I said we'd like for them to give to the local church but there was one time when my oldest son Nathaniel who was younger during this point he was watching a National Geographic show, and a commercial came on, and it was about a lion habitat that uh, they were trying to raise money for a lion habitat to save the lions. Nathaniel was apparently moved by the commercial, and he, he came to me and said, Dad, we need to save the lions. And he said, I don't want to give money to save the lions. And I, I'm not I'm not anti-lion. No, I'm, I'm pro-lion. Um, but... You know, I was a little bit hesitant. Like, do you really want to give to this? But you know, he, he wanted to give, and so I said yes. And I and I said yes because I wanted him to experience the act of giving. And of course, now we still receive. This is probably about five or six years ago. We still receive monthly updates about lions, <laughs> and they're trying you know trying okay. to get some more money <laughs> yeah. from, from from us. Once again, I'm pro lion. I'm pro lion. So I'm not anti lion. The marketing department did a great job. They they are they are and then with the save portion of it we help them identify a short term savings goal so maybe within a month you know maybe it's a little bit bigger toy that they that they want but we help them identify that goal and then start to save for it and we want them to save and to purchase it because once again we want them to experience that satisfaction that excitement that comes along with buying something that you have been disciplined with your might just save for there's a there's a sense of satisfaction that comes along with it we want them to experience that and then of course the live which is uh they can spend whatever they want we use we started using jars to put the money in so one jar that has it's just a peanut butter jar say give on it the other said save the next said live and so we use that that was a helpful tool for us now we actually use a resource called Greenlight. It's a digital account that they that they have, and we have a give um, portion of it. We have a save portion and a and a live portion of it. So it's just now all done digitally for for them. In regards to our children, like you know how you you taught us in the first episode about identifying needs or wants in our spending when we look at our expenses. And then will we regret it or be happy with it? How how early do you think is is appropriate to start teaching our children those principles, or do you? So my hope, I know this is going to sound weird. My hope is that my my children, with their spending, with that live category, will make bad purchases and regret it. And the reason why, and I let them do that. The reason why we let them do that is because we want them to learn how to make wise spending purchases earlier. Than, than than later, so we don't try to try to save them. So if they say, "Dad, I really want to buy this thing," and you're like, "That's a 
I mean, that thing's going to break next week. I mean, it's that's a it's a terrible purchase. You're, are you going to use you know you use all your money? You're going to regret this. But we may provide some coaching, but ultimately we let them do it. And my hope is that they will experience the the pain that comes along with making an unwise purchase decision. It's a lot easier lesson to learn than trying to save them all the time. And they've never really experienced the pain that comes along with unwise spending. All right. I feel like that's the way the Lord does that in our lives all the time. Doesn't Without it, right? question. Right? Yes. And especially having scripture. And I know we're talking about budgeting and finances, but I feel like that's how the Lord deals with us all the time. Like having the scriptures and the word of God, but still he lets us do our thing when we know better and we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. But sometimes it's what the Lord uses to draw us near to Him and come back to yeah. the Father. Okay, so gosh, that's that's really, really wise advice. What you said, trying to catch them before they fall, that's not really not always the best parenting approach, is and it? And that's something so, moms, we we <laughs> do all the time because we don't want our babies to yeah, suffer. Yeah, we don't want them to suffer. But I remember one time when Mary Claire was little, we were at a TJ Maxx checkout counter and they get you every time there don't they are but not you but people like me people like me um, but she wanted this little silly little magic trick kit she was nine I'll never forget it and Anna Kate and I begged her not to get it she just wanted to so we're like fine go ahead and get it I mean that has been the best thing we've ever done for her she is yeah. the most tight-fisted person with money now and she remembers that so what you just said to our moms is so mm -hmm. true it's such wise advice. Let them fall when the when the stakes are low. Who cares if she spent right. nine ninety nine on a magic trick box? But but she remembers that, and so they're going to learn that lesson one day, whether we help them learn it in our homes or not. So, man, good, really good advice. Talking about giving, you you mentioned your son having compassion for the lions, and you're teaching them him how to have a giving spirit. What, what are some biblically rooted ways to incorporate charitable giving into our own budgets, helping our kids think about that, but really ourselves as well, ensuring that we're using the resources that God has blessed us with to then show gratitude to the Lord with what he's given us by blessing other people. How can we do that? Yeah, and, and I, I think a, a good way to, to start this answer is to ask another question. It's why does God want us to, to get to begin with? I mean, is it that he, he just needs a bigger heavenly money market account? I mean, yeah, he needs a larger balance up there. Is it, is it just to keep lights on in a, in a church? Like why, why does God make giving our biblical financial priority? And, and I, I like to, to think of it in, in this way. I think scripture obviously reveals this. And it's like a, it's like a, a dad who has a, a six-year-old son and the dad invites the son to help mend a broken picket on a, on a fence. Now, why did the dad invite the son to mend that broken picket on the fence? Because does the dad actually need his, his help? No, of course not. In fact, in, in a very real way, it makes everything a lot more, a lot more complicated. So, so why, why did, why did he do that? Well, the dad wanted to develop a deeper relationship with the, with the son. The dad wanted the son to learn more about him. The dad wanted him to hopefully become more like him. You see, the invitation was not about 
getting something from the from the sun. It was actually about giving something to the sun. It was about trust. It was about relationship building. It was about helping to mature the the sun. It was about helping the sun be a part of something much larger than he would be able to to be on his on his own. See, God invites us to to give so that we can be a part of his mission on earth, so that we can leverage resources for the advancement of his kingdom, getting the gospel out to every tongue, tribe, and nation around around the world. And so it's an amazing opportunity that God gives us. He's not trying to to build his heavenly money market account. He's not trying to take something from us. He's actually trying to give us something to allow us to be a part of something significant and to know him and trust him more. Now, when it comes to to giving, what we see in the Bible is that there's really four principles that that guide us in the way that we give. First of all, we see that giving is to be a priority. That's Proverbs 3, 9, to give our first and our best. Now, how does that work out for most of us here in America? Well, before our taxes, before anything else is taken out, so when we're looking at our gross incomes before taxes, we take a portion of that and we and we give. So giving is a, a priority. The second thing that we see in the Bible is that giving is to be done proportionally. So we see this idea of percentage-based giving repeated throughout Scripture. You see Malachi three ten where that where the tithe or ten percent is is mentioned. This idea of proportional giving is once again woven all throughout throughout Scripture. And what it means is that those who have more Basically, give more. Those who have less, give less. You give based on what God has has given you. Then also we see that giving is to be done sacrificially. And this one's tough for us in America. Giving, according to the Bible, is not meant to be comfortable. It's not about the leftovers. And if you're making giving a priority and you're giving proportionally, it's not going to be the leftovers. But there should be some real discomfort in giving because you're not doing something that you want to do. Because you've, you're doing something greater, which is participating in, in God's, God's mission. And as we look at the examples in scripture um, that point to how we should give, there are people who give, they actually give numerically little usually, but man, the, the sacrifice is great. You, know, you can go back to the, to the widow when Jesus was in the temple treasury area and was watching people give these large sums of money. And he brought the disciples over and he said, hey, do you see her? And I'm assuming that they're probably thinking, oh, yeah, one of the ones who's given the large amounts of money because clearly they love God more because they're giving a large amount of money. He says, no, look at, look at her. And he pointed out the widow who gave two coins. Now, Jesus then said she gave more than anybody else in this, in this area, anybody else in the temple church. Now, was Jesus bad at math? You know, no, of course not. What he was saying was that in God's economy, amount sacrificed supersedes amount given. You see, God is much more concerned about what's still left at home than what's placed in the in the offering plate. You see, when that lady went back to her home, her life was dramatically altered. Those who were giving the large sums of money more than likely went back, and their life wasn't wasn't changed in any significant way. And we see when we, when Scripture talks about giving, what we see. In the examples given are is this this idea of radical sacrificial giving. So generosity, so giving is meant to be sacrificial. And then finally, and I got this one, Kristen, from from your 
your husband here. Giving is meant to be done cheerfully. I want to say I got it from, from your husband. He always says God doesn't want a bunch of grumpy givers, right? And and that's so true. And we, we see that in Scripture where it says that God loves a cheerful giver. Now, the question, of course, is how can you be cheerful in the midst of great sacrifice? Well, when you're looking through the lens of eternity, when you're seeing the eternal impact that your money is having, you can find great joy in the midst of sacrificial giving because you know that your generosity is impacting lives for, for all eternity. And so we can be generous in the midst of great sacrifice. Now, once again, going back to your question, how does that how does that work out practically for us? Well, we need to make it a part of our of our budget. That's going to be the very first thing that we that we do. We've already talked about that pattern: give, save, live. So when we're crafting our our budget, or as I like to call it, a blueprint for mission, the very first thing that we need to do is to give. That is our that is our biblical financial priority, and everything else follows after after that. So we start with with giving. Okay, Dr. Rainer. So I, I'm pumped. I'm ready to give. I'm a mom that is listening and, and you've been giving me all this great insight and information and I'm ready. But you were talking to us prior. We started recording about personalities and I'm that kind of personality that I'm listening to you. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm going to go back home. I'm going to tell my husband and he's going to be like, but you know what? We got to save money too. We have a budget. How can you help our listeners and our our couples who are listening too? And those are not married yet, but they're they're yeah. trying to gift. How does that aligns with what you're talking about? The whole personalities, because my personality is like I'm I'm right in, I'm jumping in the wagon. Let's give, you know. But yeah. my my husband personality might not be the same, and then it can cause some cause some tension. So how do we navigate that in a Christian way that we can? be cheerful givers without, um, you know, destroying our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We got to go back to, to God's design for, for marriage, right? God has designed our marriages to be one, right? Marriages are supposed to be characterized by oneness. We see that in Genesis 2, 224. And then we see it later when Paul talks about how our own bodies in marriage are not even and even our own. And so we're to be one in all areas of our, of our, of our marriage, including our finances. But here's, here's the reality. Most of the time, we don't marry someone who is exactly like us and views money in the exact same way that, that we do. We marry somebody who has a different experience with money gr growing up. They have a, a different, what I would call a different money story that has shaped their perception of, of money. And they have a different money personality. And the four money personalities that, that I've identified by just looking at the research that, that's out there, is the, the the spender, the saver, the investor, and then the ignorer. Now, the spender is the one who, I mean, gets a bad rep at times. They, the ones who like to you know, swipe the credit card more, more quickly. But there's some strengths to, to the spender, as there are with any of the money personalities, strengths and weaknesses. The spender is the one who actually tends to be a little more generous. They're the ones who like to buy gifts. They're the ones who like to to take other people on vacation with. Them. Like they're the ones that are more open handed at times with their with their finances. You get a spender that's married to a a saver, which I would probably fit more in, in that category. A saver, there's some good strengths to a saver. They save for the future. That's a good thing. There's some downsides to it to a saver though. 
they're the ones when you go on a family vacation, they opt for a tent as opposed to the hotel, right? Because it saves you a little bit of money. <laughs> and so, and, and so they're the kind of the killjoys, right? And, and so there's strengths and weaknesses with each, each money personality. If you go back and let's say one of your, your listeners out, out there has listened to this podcast, they're like, fired up. I want, I want to give, they go back to their husband and the husband's like, nah, I just, I don't know if we can, we can sweep my encouragement with V21, study scripture on the topic of finances. You could also get my book. So I have a, a book, a new book called uh, Money in the Light of Eternity. And it walks you through the, the reason why God gave us money in the first place. It just talks about that. And so you could go through that and then pray about it. Pray about what God would want you to do in your finances and pray that he would help you align your finances with what you see in, in, in scripture. And I usually say, if you can at least just start somewhere, even if it's, let's say, 1%, do that. Start somewhere and and then start working your way up maybe to a greater percentage, maybe 10% over you know, the course of a, of a year. And here's what happens when you give that, that 1%. I've seen this happen over and over again. Because you start to align yourself with God's design for, for money, when you just did uh, one small step, first of all, you realize that 1% of your gross income is actually not as much as you thought it would be. Two, you find yourself a little bit more content, a little more satisfied, a little bit more excited because you're starting to align yourself with God's design for your money. Anytime that you do that in any area of your life, and this goes back to this is a, a Jimmy Scroggins influence on my, my life again. Anytime that you start doing that, you're going to find yourself greater contentment, greater satisfaction, you know, being a part of something much, much greater than yourself. So at least take that step of, you know, just maybe it's 1%, but study scripture, pray about it. You can read my book if you, if you want to. Once again, Money in the Light of Eternity, but take at least one step toward God's design for money. Wow, that is so good. All right, with everything that you've told us and that you've shared with us, you know, when moms, when you have young kids and you're trying to, and even with dads, you have a young family, you're trying to raise kids. There are some things that kind of fall to the side as far as just maybe thinking long-term. Are there some steps or some wise counsel that you can give for parents to plan for care of our children, just in case there are some unforeseen circumstances, maybe such as illness, or if we become incapacitated. I mean, I know those aren't, aren't, you know, very fuzzy and warm subjects and things that we, you know, sometimes don't even think about as young parents, but, you know, how can we care for our children or, or what kind of financial plans can we kind of put in place to make sure that they're taken care of, whether it be like long-term care you know, can you can you kind of speak to us on some of those things that you would advise? Yeah, this is it's such an important topic. Every household needs at least a, especially if you have kids, a will and an emergency binder. So let me touch on that emergency binder first. So in our household, we have a binder. It's a physical binder that has it's about a six. There's a sixty page document in it that walks you through exactly everything that you need to know about at our household to be able to run it. And so if that very unfortunate um, circumstance that you just gave us actually happened, somebody could go to that binder, they could open it up, 
and they would be able to find all of our financial information, our bill payment information, our child care information, our medical information, our wills, our trust. Everything is within that that binder. Now, we keep it in a safe, and only a few people know where that, that safe is. But every household needs an emergency binder so that, let's just say you're in the hospital and somebody needs to take care of your kids, maybe for an extended period of time, they can open it up and your household can continue to, to run. And so that can be a tremendous, tremendous blessing for for your family and in the very unfortunate event of your death it can also be a significant gift for your for your loved ones it is it brings about i found a significant peace of mind for those that do and have an emergency binder i talked about when i introduced something called the central emergency binder which we have available at christianmoneysolutions.com I introduced it to a guy named Mitch who's located out of, out of Colorado, and he said, Art, I wish that my, my dad had this. See, so dad had just passed away, and he spent almost three to four months basically being an investigator, trying to determine where his dad's finances were, you know, his, any insurance. Like he just he, – he, because there wasn't anything there for him. And so he had to just search and search and search to try to figure out okay, – where is all this stuff? What did he have? And so this can be a significant gift for your loved ones. Now, once again, want to probably put it in a safe, lock it up, only let a few people, key people know where, where it is. It's not something that you want to put on Instagram. You know, hey, here's my, here's my emergency binder with all my information on it. It's located here. That's not what you want to do. But that can be a major, major help to that situation that you just named. And you need a will. I know you didn't directly ask about, about a will, but I feel like I need to, need to put that in there because if you are a parent with kids, with, with non-adult children, if you were to die, if you and your spouse were, were to die and you do not have a will, guess who determines who cares for your children? A judge. A judge is going to make the determination through a process called probate, a judge will make the determination of who will actually care for your children, who will be the guardians. And I bet that you as a parent don't want that. I know I don't want that. Like that's that's one of the main reasons why I have a, a will at, at this point is because I wanted to make sure that the person who is taking care of my, my children's physical, mental and spiritual well-being is somebody that I know and I trust. I wanted to be able to pick that out, not somebody who I have no idea who they are, and they have no idea who I am. They don't even know my family, picking out who actually cares for, for my children. Um, so a, I, an emergency binder. Really yes, for those yes. folks who are listening, and especially me, because I always have questions about that, what's the best way or approach to go about a will? Because... Like, it's not something that you just go Google will.com, you know, like what's the best advice you can give in terms of like starting a will or what are the first steps towards doing a will? Yeah. So it's, it's funny. You joke about Googling will.com. Um, there's actually a lot of really good resources out there now where you can do an online will. It's just your basic. It's, what you're looking for is just a basic will. There's a lot of services out there that can help you build one. But then you'll want to take it to at least a, a notary to, to have it have it notarized for them to sign off on it, then watch you sign the document, 
But that's a very easy first step for, for many is to actually do one online. It's a very cost effective. And for many, it's enough for now, especially if your wills, once again, can be very basic where your assets are primarily going toward the care of your, of your children as they grow up, then that can be a, a sufficient tool for this. Now, as you, as things get more complex, as your finances get more complex, you might, may want to meet with an attorney to talk about a will or potentially a, what's called a trust. But for most Americans, for the vast majority of Americans, a, a will is actually sufficient. Okay, so let me ask you then in terms of like tax planning strategies. It's a controversial topic, but we want to make sure that it's just aligned with Christian values, including in giving and supporting ministries. And, you know, like we've been talking about, just using our resources to advance God's kingdom. How can we go about that? That's a great question. Obviously, we don't give as, as believers to, to get a tax benefit, right? That's not our, that's not our ultimate mo- motivation. We, we give because of what God has given us. We give because it allows us to be a part of of His great commission, and so we, we give out of out of that motivation, not out of a tax benefit motivation. But if the government provides some tax benefits for for a generosity, absolutely, we should we should take take care of that. I do recommend making sure that a portion of your of your gross income goes to the church. Either that's going to be you get a tax deduction there, but there are some other alternatives to giving beyond that, where you can use what's called a donor advised fund, and this is like a this is basically a charitable investment account for the sole purpose of supporting charitable organizations like a church or another kingdom advancing nonprofit. And here's how it works: you get to contribute to the to the fund. And you invest those those funds. You get the tax deduction for the contribution. It grows tax free within the fund, and then you can recommend grants to eligible IRS qualified public charities. Once again, like a church, uh, like Compassion International, some other kingdom advancing nonprofit. So you can use what's called a donor advised fund to uh, receive some additional tax deductions, but. Certainly, give to to your local church first. I believe that that pattern is found in Scripture, and and you do get a tax deduction for for that. It just it's kind of an added bonus for our generosity. Gosh, you know what my favorite thing that you've talked about over these last two episodes, part one and two, is you've given me a new tagline. We we talked during the break art about how money matters are not my favorite things to discuss, but but. Uh, so sometimes the word budget brings uh, not great emotions up for me. <laughs> but this idea that you are saying it's not just a budget. It is that. But it's the term you keep using is your blueprint for mission. I can't get excited about a budget. I can get excited about this is my blueprint, blueprint for mission. <laughs> but that's really true. It's it's more than just a budget. Where is my money going? It's why does it matter where my money's going? Because I have to yep. be I have to be on mission with God. And so this budget is my blueprint for that. And you have given me life giving material here, Art. I want you to know that. And I'm sure for other moms out there as well. And so just, you know, even thinking about tax strategies and budgets and estate planning and all these things that may be scary or boring or whatever to people that, man, when you think about it in terms of this is us getting on mission with God and using the resources he's given us to further his kingdom and to get our children excited about furthering his kingdom. I I can get on board with that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, the next the next time you have your your budget or your blueprint permission meeting, I, I want you to use use that term. Okay. I'm doing. Uh, don't 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 let them know that you're going to use it. You say, hey, Jimmy, this is not a budget. This is a blueprint for mission. I need you to get serious about this. Okay, I'm liking this. Serious, I'm doing it tomorrow morning. Hey, Art Um, Dr. Art thank you so much for being with us. But before we leave, can you tell our audience, please, where they can get their hands and money in the light of eternity? Your book. Yeah, you can, you can of course get that wherever wherever books are sold. Whether you want to go to ChristianBook.com. Or Amazon.com, you can certainly certainly get it at those those places. I'd also encourage the, the listeners to check out ChristianMoneySolutions.com. If you click on a, there's a tab that says Resources. You click on that, and you'll see a dropdown, and there'll be something that says Free Resources. Be sure to click on that. So we have six different PDFs there. And a lot of what we've talked about on this episode and the prior episode can actually be found there. Just once again, these are free resources to help you take that next step on your, on your financial journey. I love, you can even binge download them all. Like I love, I love yeah, seeing correct, correct it when, when people do that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you do have like that emergency binder in there too, right? For them to download. Correct. Correct. Yes. That, that's also can be found at Christian Money Solutions. Uh, dot com. You'll you'll see that under the resources, it'll say essential emergency binder. So you can click on that. It's it's a it's a sixty page PDF that walks you through everything that I just that I just went through. You stick it in a binder, and now you have your your emergency binder ready to go. So there you have it, Mom Village. Wow. So not only are we giving you the information, but we're giving you also the handout physical information. So. Not only you can share um, the podcast with a friend, but you can actually physically print out the information um, and start organizing your budget and your finances. But and we want to blueprint for mission. Yes, <laughs> yes. We want to say thank you to Dr. Rayner. Thank you so, so much, much for being part of the village and for letting us borrow your wife all the time. Um, thank you for the, all the helpful information and for helping us be more stewards to our uh, for what God is giving. Uh, we want to say goodbye, but um, ladies, wasn't even awesome. Wow, we need to have you again. But I think I think for the next one, we'll have the ringers together mm -hmm. in marriage conversation. So I'm saying in the process, so you can not say no. So we're going to sign out. It will always be entertaining, I promise you. <laughs> we're going to sign out in the count of three. One, two, three. Bye. Bye.